Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ian Cummings. And today, we are going to go over PFN's first iteration of our consensus big board for the 2024 NFL season. We're going to go over it in a general sense. And then Ian and I are going to discuss some of the differences that we had, uh, some of the larger differences that we had in that. And then because we didn't get to talk to you guys on Tuesday or Monday, whenever the podcast actually comes out, we didn't get to do a review of week one. I hope that you guys had fun watching it, but we are going to get into some of the prospect matchups to keep an eye on this weekend and some of the team matchups to keep an eye on. But first, as always, I got to ask, Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. It's a new week. It's uh, it's after week one, right? So we've got some takeaways to kind of uh, sort through here. I I have to do laundry, right? And uh, I had I didn't I had no intention of starting something this morning. I was just like, I need a loose shirt, so I got this tank top on, and I, I get on, and one millisecond later, Dalton's like, "All right, let me get my tank top. We gotta we gotta go with the theme here." So we got that going on. We got tank top Thursday. Make it mm-hmm. make it a theme here, but uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. Um, and we're on to week two. We got a ton of great matchups on deck this weekend. But then uh, you mentioned it at the start. The big board, uh, the top fifty consensus big board from PFN. The first one uh, got put up, and we've got a lot to talk about through that. A few differences, a few similarities, but over, overall, uh, just kind of the common theme is an incredibly intriguing class with a ton of great prospects. Yes, absolutely, and and I think that that's what really caught my eye the most during week one is that. Yes, every year there are 75 first-round picks. Like As yeah. the season starts, that's the way that it goes. But I really do truly believe that this is a class that we haven't seen in a little while. You don't just have the quarterback talent. Now, I will say that the defensive talent in this class might not be as high as it has been in recent years. But the offensive talent in this draft class at premium positions, wide receiver, quarterback, um and offensive tackle is fantastic so i think that when you really sit back and you look at those things you can be really excited about this potential 2024 nfl draft class and you know we already have caleb williams dad coming out and saying well if he doesn't like the situation maybe he'll stay in school no he won't stay in school because nobody who is going to be a top pick is going to stay in school yes you get a little bit of money in nil he is making money he is on every other commercial that you look at when you are watching college football on a Saturday, but he is not making the amount of money that he is going to make at the NFL level guaranteed for being the top pick in the NFL draft or the second pick in the NFL draft because Drake may was a freak of nature the other day as well. Now let's get into it here. Big board talk. Number one player consensus is Marvin Harrison jr. I had him at number two Ian V had him at number two. And Ian C had him at number one. Caleb Williams is at number two. Olu Fashanu, Penn State, offensive tackle, is number three. Drake May, quarterback, North Carolina, is number four. Brock Bowers is at number five, the tight end from Georgia. Kool-Aid McKinstry is at number six, cornerback from Alabama. Jared Verse is at number seven. And I got to be honest with you guys. I might need to move him up on my personal big board because he was a man possessed the other week against LSU. Amika Egbuka is at number nine. I'm sorry. I moved. I jumped over JC Latham, the offensive tackle from Alabama at number eight. And then Joe Alt 
is at number 10, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. That is three offensive tackles. That is one edge rusher. That is two quarterbacks. That is one cornerback. That is two wide receivers and a tight end in the top 10. How are you feeling about that top 10? Are there any real gripes that you have with this top 10? Honestly, no, I think, you know, nine out of 10, even 10 out of 10 of these guys, I think all 10, you can make all look- to, all of our top 10s were in the top 10. Exactly. So it's like, yes. you know, the order was different, but mm-hmm. the inclusions were the same. And I think that's, you know, a really exciting thing about this class is that the blue chip talent at the top is definitely there. Now, I, I had Marvin Harrison as my number one. Uh, I, I think quarterbacks Fair. took the number one spot for the other, you know, which I could see because positional value, taking that into account. If you have a chance to get a franchise QB like Drake May or Caleb Williams, you take it 100 times out of 100, right? Uh, for me, it was just a grading thing. The way my system works, right? I kind of, you know, I use the grades to put the prospects in the buckets. And then within those buckets, you kind of order them around. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, graded insanely high for me. I know we talked about it on our top non-QBs pod a few weeks ago. Uh, but he might be the best wide receiver prospect that I've evaluated in my short three, two to three year window. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is at a lot of valuable positions, too. I mean, we mentioned it. Offensive tackle. Olufashanu is incredible. J.C. Latham is a freak of nature at 6'6", 330, uh, just, a, you know, a road grader in the run game. Joe Alt through two weeks has been very promising for Notre Dame and the athleticism, the flexibility, the length, uh, all very good qualities for him. You mentioned Jared Verse, who had a really, really smooth chop rip sack. It would have been a sack. I think they ended up ruling it in, in completion. Uh, against LSU, yeah. but he was wreaking havoc, co- generating constant pressure, the explosiveness and the twitch to go along with the precise surgical hand usage that he has. It's rare. You don't see that combination often. So, you know, a lot of high value players at high value positions like edge rusher, uh, even corner with Kool-Aid, uh, offensive tackle, wide receiver. And then on top of that, too, the two quarterbacks, Drake Man, Caleb Williams. We talked about it uh, in our top QBs pod as well. Um, right now, they're basically QB 1A and 1B. I don't think there is a wrong answer as to who you have over top. You could say Caleb Williams, and I would agree with you. You could say Drake May, and I, I could agree with you too. So you know, I think they're that close, uh, separated by hairs at most. Um, but they're both at the top of the board, both phenomenal prospects. And uh, you know, the fact that it's a consensus matter, these are the top 10 guys. There's obviously a lot of other great prospects, but there's a clear strength at the top of the board this year. And that's not something we could say you know, all the time last year or even the year before that. So I, I like that we have that certainty, that volume of talent at the top. It's it's really refreshing to see. Yeah, and I'm going to get to see a, a couple of those guys in person this week, uh, just outside of the top 10 or a little bit out of the side of the top 10. Uh, cornerback from Penn State, Kalen King. I'm going to see him in person in the flesh this week. And uh, is it Damien? Is that how you say Chop's first name? Because it's spelled with four consecutive nouns or four consecutive nouns vowels four consecutive vowels <laughs> uh after that first m so it's throwing me off a little bit i'm gonna call him chop robinson I'm gonna see those guys in person against Delaware yeah i think there's there's two reasons That'll he's called chop one. one it's a lot easier to he's yes. a good pass rusher so it's, it, it fits for sure but uh, chop robinson yeah. caitlin king both very good players and, and speaking of the board here that we're looking at are there any names that you just want to bring up that were as a group, I think generally higher on than what we may seem as consensus or, you know, maybe some of the guys that we might be a little bit lower on than the consensus seems to think. Yeah. I mean, 
I think every every cycle, we're all discovering a lot of the same guys. So a lot of times you get those names in there. I saw one that you put on there, McKinley Jackson from, from Texas A&M. I think it's one that we want to talk about because you had him in your top 50. I had him just outside my top 50. Um, you know, I think looking at the nose tackle candidates in this class, you're looking at a guy who's incredibly well leveraged, very strong at the point of attack, but also really twitched up in his lower body and can use that leg drive to to generate momentum and power. So, you know, a guy who's got that strength to hold the point and cover blocks, but also added pass rushing juice. He's one that was a little bit higher for me uh, and I think for you as well. So I liked seeing him up there. Um, you know, a few others, I think Kingsley Suamataya, he's in my top 20. I know he was in our top 50. He's another guy who's very explosive, uh, very powerful, right? So, you know, a lot of trench guys that kind of have that high level talent. And, you know, I could go down the board. I'm looking at other names now, but those are a few that stand out to me. I know for me personally, um, the safeties were very strong. I mean, it was tough to just limit it to the safeties that I did in the top 50. But, um, you know, Rod Moore from Michigan, big fan of him. I, I think he was in my top 32. Cam Kitchens, you and me, we both had him in our top 25. Now, he's steadily been rising, but a rangy guy with great supportability. Uh, one guy that I was higher on, Andrew Makuba. I had him just outside my top 10. He's been my top safety. Um, and, you know, I understand why others have other safeties at number one, because Makuba is a little bit lighter. I think he played around 5'11", 6 foot, 185 last year, still a little bit leaner, kind of wiry. You know, there's definitely a maximum to the amount of weight he can put on his frame. But, you know, I think in that Clemson loss, they did lose, but they had a lot of good contributors on defense. And I think Makuba, you could argue, was the best, had the best showing. I mean, out of the slot. Uh, really good in coverage with his foot speed and malleability too. But we, we've seen last year in particular, you know, he can play in too high. He can play single high. He's got that bend and that explosiveness, that curvilinear acceleration and just the uncanny flexibility to manage space and coverage and just kind of blanket drape routes. You know, from what I've seen, the reaction to stimulus, the processing, it's all there for him. So I'm very excited to see what he keeps doing as well, because I think being able to man up guys in the slot with that kind of proficiency, but then also play in space, you know, in a modern NFL, that values the de defensive versatility and coverage in particular uh that can be incredibly valuable and then two other guys that i haven't even mentioned yet maryland's bo braid uh big fan of him around 6-1 over 200 great frame great explosiveness twitch and then tyler newbin man he put on a clinic mm -hmm. against nebraska two interceptions uh he's 6-2 over 200 uh the supportability is there he's very explosive closing in but then you've seen, too, the the eye discipline, the reaction, you know, getting his eyes in the right spot, kind of route recognition and kind of keying in on quarterback intent before the pass is thrown. That's a really valuable, really rare skill to have. And Tyler Newbin, he's got it in spades and he's shown he can generate turnovers off it. So the safety class in particular, too, I think that's another one where you, know, you look at a lot of these guys. It's hard to stack them up uh, because there's a ton of talent to rank. But, you know, ultimately, if you're watching these guys you're going to have at least five or six safeties, you know, battling for top 50 uh, capital, I think. Yeah. And that's the, the fun thing uh, I think about this class specifically. And I think that we're going to see this more often as the years go by are these, these guys who play in the slot in college or play on the back end in college that are much more highly valued going into the NFL than they used to be. Because I think when you look at the way that defenses are being put together at the NFL level now, you're seeing a lot more three safety personnel groupings in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys played three of their guys over 900 snaps last year. Uh, so I, I think you're starting to see that more. You're starting to see a third safety come on the field instead of a third linebacker playing a little bit smaller. They're giving up a little bit of in-run support, but they are not 
sacrificing their ability to cover tight ends, you know, down the field. I think, you know, one guy that you didn't bring up that I, that really stood out to me was Utah's Cole Bishop as well. Yeah. Just a, an absolute playmaker. And I think that when we look at this group, Andrew Bakuba is another guy who just kept making plays throughout that game. And I know that Clemson lost, but I think he had what two fumble recoveries in that game. Yeah. He and he almost took that one to the house. If very he wouldn't have gotten tripped up a little bit. He, he is, he's very active. Um, I thought that he looked good in the slot. Like you said, Newman had two interceptions. So these are dudes that are making plays. And even and again, past these guys too, like Jaden Hicks from Washington state. I mean, we yeah. can go down the list. There's so Rod many more. We didn't even talk about Kalen Bullock at yep. all. Yep. And, and so, yeah, you're right. There's so many guys who can fit that mold at the NFL level. Uh, I'm not as high based off what I've seen of Malachi Moore, but Malachi mm-hmm. Moore is another guy. He's a very highly rated recruit. He's an Alabama safety. So you, you got to at least give them a little bit of credit or give him a little bit of leniency and, and look at what he might be able to bring in the near future. But let's talk about where some of our differences are in this top 50. We're going to start off and we actually have one with Makuba here. I might need to move Makuba up a little bit from where he was, but you had him very high. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to t- talk about or, or have you discuss kind of how you came to the decision to have somebody who is a safety in the NFL doesn't really value safeties that way. Were you thinking of positional value when you made your big board or were you just kind of, like you said, putting them into a bucket and seeing just in a vacuum how much you like these guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I'll pull up my graded big board here because the grades put them into buckets, right? I've kind of, you know, established that. And, uh, just pure raw grade in heading into the season he was my seventh overall player just from a pure raw grade perspective now the grade put him into a bucket and it caused me to you know place a few other guys with better positional value over him because they were very closely packed together uh so that was kind of how it is the the grade put him in that bucket you know kind of in that fringe top 10 just outside the top 10 and then you know i was only going to be able to drop him so far within that bucket because at that point you know there's guys who are kind of in the bucket below him uh, who may have better positional value, but the grade discrepancy is too big for me. Andrew Makuba uh, graded very high in my impact player range. And part of that is because, you know, I weigh athletic traits, mobility traits very highly right now. Obviously, you need to have great processing ability. You need to have the operational utility. And he definitely has that too. Um, but he scored out of this world with the explosiveness, the, the range, the speed, but also the short area twitch, the movement freedom. Uh, the flexibility, the hip fluidity, right? You know, his ability to transition without losing any speed in space is just really impressive to me. And I think those mobility building blocks for him, uh, it's going to be something that it's already allowed him to take on a multitude of roles in college football. Um, He played mostly in the slot against Duke, but he can play too high. He can play single high. He can, uh, you know, embark on a number of transitions in space. Uh, He can move in so many different ways. But then if you want him to attack downhill and impose his physicality or, you know, scoop up fumbles, right, you know, kind of generate turnovers to become that attacking threat as well. You know, he has size defying physicality as well. So he can do that. You know, I do want him to keep getting a little bit stronger. I still think there's room for him to kind of add mass to his frame. But no matter what, I mean, this is a guy who you know plays with a ton of speed, a ton of urgency, fire, fiery play pace, and then just having that all encompassing mobility too. Uh, the mobility profile is really what won me over for him because I think he can be an absolute wild card in the secondary. And I assume that athletic ability, ease of movement, um, fiery 
play style is one of the reasons why you had Barrett Carter at number 10 as yeah. well. He's somebody who he obviously flashed in that game. And yes, Clemson lost. Um, and listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys. When Clemson loses, I, I get kind of happy. And it's not about anything that has to do with the players whatsoever. I will leave it at that. But it was a lot of fun, actually, to watch Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Barry oh, yeah. Carter because they are two dudes. And when you have a defense that can have those two guys and then have a guy that can lock down the slot, come, you know, play in the back end and be that high caliber player, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, and they got I'm Nate a little Wiggins, bit, too, a corner who Wiggins is phenomenal. a stud as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, guys like Rook on the defensive line, too. They they are not they are not low. It's just that offense couldn't really get the job done the other day for them. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get to linebacker a little bit, and I wanted to bring up two guys who we are higher on that are very low on the consensus board right now. They are both, you know, one of them is at 171, and the other one is at 192. Both of these guys fell just outside of our top 50, or actually one was at the end of our top 50. That is Omar Spates, the linebacker out of LSU who was number 50, and then Tyron Hopper, the linebacker from Missouri, who I did not have ranked because I only ranked 50 guys. I had close to 75, but then I I cut it down to 50. And uh, he would have been just outside of my top 50, so he would have been around number 52 anyways. Those are two guys that we really like at PFN that the rest of the world has to catch up on right now. A guy I want to get into because I didn't rank him. I didn't even think about ranking him, but you had him at number 28. And we're going to discuss this quickly because we do need to get up into these team and prospect matchups. But JT Twimaloao. Mm-hmm. I watched him over the summer because he was highly regarded by pretty much everywhere. And I think a lot of it has to do with him being such a high caliber recruit coming into the college game being 270 280 pounds and having the type of athleticism that he has and i totally get that but i think that when you watch him play i had major concerns about his flexibility and his just overall fluidity because flexibility and fluidity for me are two different things it's your ability to move freely horizontally you know your agility your natural agility is one thing that's you know goes into the fluidity of things and then the flexibility of things is you know your ability to bend under the table it's your ability to you know really cut angles um, when you are being contacted and that's something that i just didn't see from him there's also just an absolute blank slate when it comes to his ability to rush the passer with his hands, I think. And when you look at Ohio State guys, we've seen the Boses come through there. We've seen, um, oh man, Washington Chase Young come through there. Mm -hmm. And those guys were very technically advanced. And I think when you look at Tum Malau, I think that right now, for me personally, he's a guy who you take the athletic upside and you take him on day three, but if you don't see significant growth this year, he either stays in school or he ends up being a day three pick. And I understand why we have him high. I understand why, especially if you'd like to bet on athleticism, you would have him high. But for me personally, I couldn't get there with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, that was kind of partly what I've what I, what I came away with I think the difference here is that I was a little bit higher on the hand usage uh, you know I don't think there's a blank slate I do think there is room for him to keep improving his consistency but 
you know, I think there were instances last year where you'd see him feign a power rush, you know, and he's got a really imposing power profile. So it's not hard for him mm-hmm. to get offensive tackles to kind of overcompensate to that, you know, feign to the outside shoulder and then counter inside with a double swipe and then a rip. You know, I, I think we have seen that from him. I think it's just getting it from him consistently, right? And that was kind of a knock on Zach Harrison last cycle, right? That, it's, it's, it's almost exactly like Harrison, except mm-hmm. Harrison wasn't as uh, highly touted going into the uh, cycle. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. For me, JT Tuimolau, what, you know, it didn't win me over because 28th is obviously, you know, that's kind of on the fringe of first round. He kind of graded just outside my impact player range. He's kind of in that, you know, starter. You know, I think he can be a starter, right? But he needs to keep improving the consistency to be an impact player. Um, You know, here's the thing with him too. You know, I think 6'4", around 270. So really good power profile, but he didn't score an elite power grade from me yet because I still think he has room to keep improving his functional power, you know, how he aligns his hips and utilizes his extensions to generate that. Uh, So I think overall, you know, you're still working on ways to maximize and weaponize that physical profile that you have. He is very explosive. I think the bend and flexibility, that is a concern for me for him too. And I do think when he gives himself space, right, you know, he does have a degree of ankle flexion to work around blocks, but you mentioned it, you know, carrying that through contact, I think is just as important. You know, you need to be able to multitask while you're combating blocks, you know, and bend under the corner. And I don't see that from him. I think largely he's going to be a guy who wins off of explosiveness and power. And you need to, the margin for error is a little bit slimmer when you don't have that complete physical profile to work from. So that was my stance with him. You know, I think the explosiveness, the power, it's all there. And on top of that too, Really hot motor guy, guy who's got phenomenal playmaking instincts for the edge position. Like he's just always around the ball. He's got an incredible nose for the ball. And that's valuable, right? You know, getting to the backfield, not only disrupting and generating pressure, but also providing a potential turnover threat. You know, that ability to generate momentum changing plays. He's definitely got that. So that gave him a boost for me. Uh, But I do want to see more consistency from him. Uh, before he can reach that top 10 uh, range that he was being projected for in some really early summer mocks. I think there's still ways to go for him. I would take Dallas Turner, uh, absolutely. Braylon Trice, I would take over him too. And then there's a few other edge guys kind of in that middle tier who could rise above him. Uh, You know, it's still pretty unsettled. But JT, you know, he's talented, got a ways to go. I think he's still kind of finding his rhythm after Indiana. I'm excited to see what he can do this year because he's got the talent. But, you know, without elite bend, uh, you need to reach a higher level on the operational side. Yes, and the last guy that we're going to talk about, we're actually really not even going to talk about him. I'm just going to uh, pull a little bit of a uh, shack and apologize. I, I was not. Oh, I think um, I know who this is. I was not uh, aware of your game, um, <laughs> and now I am, and I apologize because you're going to be very high on this next big board. That is Florida State wide receiver Keon Coleman. Holy crap crap yeah did he uh, take over that football game that was unbelievable i mean he's not just a red zone guy i mean he's got the size to to win every single 50 50 ball there is and i thought that that was hilarious to watch him just absolutely dunk over dudes heads but also at his size the uh, the flexibility and the elusiveness that he has when he has the ball in his hands as well is is fantastic. I, I think that he is going to be one of the top guys. It wouldn't be, surprise me whatsoever if he ended up being the wide receiver two in this draft class. Uh, and it's just funny because, you know, when I look at the consensus board uh, on the mock draft database here, you know, Johnny Wilson is ahead of him in, in this. And I don't think that that's going to continue. Johnny Wilson, obviously a, 
a unique physical profile being six foot seven. Um, but those hands are very, very suspect. Uh, at least they were last week. So they were it'll be in 2022 as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a recurring issue. Yeah. Um, makes the tough catches and misses the, the easy ones. But Keon Coleman isn't missing anything. Uh, he was LSU's daddy. And those were not those were not bad corners. Those were not bad safeties. These that is a good, talented secondary that just could not elevate with him. It was fantastic to watch him. But let's get into the matchup real quick. This week. I, okay. I wanna I wanna talk about Keon Coleman as well because I, I just I need to talk about him too, man. Because he he graded out as my fifteenth overall guy. Um, you know, I was running his grade off of the Michigan State tape, and uh, he was basically neck and neck with Malik Neighbors, who, you know, we're both big fans of Neighbors, too. So seeing that grade, graded really big heading into the game. And then obviously you mentioned it, 6'4", 215. Uh, the rack ability is there. The route running ability, he can separate. He's got a decent route tree as well, and he knows how to tempo his routes and use that fluidity. Uh, but I think the really impressive thing for me, not only does he have the dominating size and length, too, but I think the timing aspect is very, very important, especially in the red zone, right? You know, make sure you don't peak too early. Make sure you, you know, use targeted physicality, kind of slab your man, but then also, you know, time your extension and your turn at the exact right time so that you're not keying in that DB to make a move on the ball, right? And I think having that patience and that discipline at the catch point, but then also having the flexibility, the strength, the body control to snare that ball when it finally came into your wheelhouse you know those are details that really matter you know even for a big guy you got to have those to be able to maximize those those traits and Keon Coleman absolutely has that nine catches for I think 122 yards and three touchdowns I think that's just the start man he's going to keep dominating the defensive backs and both of those receivers are very fun to watch but Keon Coleman to me is the one who has that three level framework to really be a dominating alpha x receiver at the next level yes yes it was uh it was a a Genuine pleasure yeah. to watch him play football the other night. Let's get into it. Texas A&M versus Miami of Florida. The real Miami we found out after last week. Uh, I'm going to go through all of the matchups, and then we're going to hit on a couple of them. Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad versus Cameron Kitchen. These are two guys, Smith and Muhammad, who Muhammad worked out of the slot last year, kind of after Anaya Smith went down with an injury. They are both slot guys or were slot guys. It'll be interesting to see how he's how Anaya Smith is going to be used at Texas A&M this year because we've seen him in the past play a little bit of running back. Mm -hmm. I actually like what I saw from him as a running back in his sophomore tape. So I'm interested to see if they use him a little bit more in that area because they have some really good wide receivers at Texas A&M, Moose Muhammad being one of them. When I watched Moose uh, actually just a couple of weeks ago here, I was blown away by his ball skills. I think that he might have some of the silkiest hands I've ever seen from a wide receiver, but he needs to get a lot better at the more traditional wide receiver things, which is a little bit interesting because his father is an NFL legend very much like Marvin Harrison Jr. You kind of expect this guy to come in and be look like a professional wide receiver. He has the God-given talent, but he needs to really iron out his technical ability as a route runner. He needs to sharpen those tools before he can really be a high-end prospect in, in the NFL draft. But he is a really fun player, and those guys in the slot are going to see a lot of Cameron Kitchens, who we are both very high on. So that's a nice one. Bryce Foster and Layden Robinson versus Leonard Taylor III, Akeem Mesidor and Branson Dean. I am so excited because Layden Robinson, somebody who was very good two years ago, that Texas A&M offensive line fell apart last year. He's got a lot to prove. 
Reuben Feather or Reuben Feather. I always want to say Feather Tree, and I know that it's Father Tree. Reuben Fathery the second versus Jafari Harvey, McKinley Jackson versus Javion Cohen and Matthew Lee, Edrin Cooper versus Tyler Van Dyke, Tony Grimes and Tyreek Chapel versus Colby Young, and Josh DeBerry versus Xavier Restrepo. And I would like to point out Xavier Restrepo, first team all name this year for the NFL draft. What is your favorite matchup of this football game, Ian? Yeah, it's it's a good one. I'll go quick. I know it can be long-winded. I the, the one that stands out to me, obviously, Cameron Kitchens. I, I I love watching him play. So naturally, going up against receivers, you want to see that. But the one that I'm actually going to be watching to see what comes of it is Ruben Fathery versus Jafari Harvey. Ruben Fathery, six foot eight, three thirty. The dude is a refrigerator, but he moves mm-hmm. very very well. Uh, he for how he for how well for how big he's built. Uh, he's a he's a glider as a run blocker, but then also has enough uh, depth on his kick, right? Good lateral athleticism as a pass protector, uh, good knee knee bend and flexibility too. Uh, and then on the other side too, Javari Harvey is a guy who's always had the explosiveness, the bend around 6'4", 250. Uh, so he's got the natural ability. If he could just keep honing his game as a hand fighter, uh, he could break out as one of the edge sleepers in this in this draft class. So I think this will be a great test for him going against a top talent like Fathery. And if he can generate some disruption, he can keep climbing out the board. He's got the natural raw tools to to kind of fuel that ascent. Yeah, that I'm really excited about that football game. I'm actually I'm just really excited about this Texas A&M team in general. Maybe not from you know an SEC perspective, but from the NFL draft perspective, I think that they have maybe not a, a ton of like super high end talent on this football team, but I think that they have a lot of potential NFL draft talent. And you know, you get a lot of guys that are franchise builders on day three, and it looks like those they have a, a lot of guys who can be in that day two or day three range. Alabama versus Texas. Um, listen, we have Quinn Ewers versus Nick Saban's defense at Alabama. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell versus Kool-Aid and Terion Arnold, uh, Jatavion Sanders versus Malachi Moore and Jalen Milroy, Milrow versus Jalen Ford. What's the one matchup that you're looking at in that game? Man, I mean, I definitely want to see how Ewers handles that Alabama defense because the Alabama defense has the rushers. They got the coverage. They got the coach, right? It's it's kind of the 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 holy trinity and the Nick Saban on top of it, man. He's just you know going up against him, an undisciplined quarterback like Quinn Ewers, who has been undisciplined in the past, right? And I still think he has room to improve, uh, as his showing against Bryce showed. Very talented guy, off script, off platform. The natural ability and the feel is there, but there's still room for him to keep refining his game on the operational side. The Alabama defense is a defense that can exploit that. So looking to see how he matches up against that. And then prospect to prospect, it's got to be Xavier Worthy and Kool-Aid McKinstry because Xavier Worthy, he's an elite speed guy, but he can also use tempo reductions, throttle control as a route runner. He's got that ability to him. Uh, And then Kool-Aid McKinstry is that technician, right? I think Worthy has the explosiveness speed edge on McKinstry. But McKinstry can just dictate the rep with his physicality, his length, his timing. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what what comes with that one as well. Yeah, and then for me, it's it's Jatavion Sanders versus Malachi Moore, and obviously the big one is Quinn Ewers. You were the number one recruit in the class. I, I want to see you actually live up to that hype and be that number one type guy uh, that I don't think that you are 
as of today. I think that you might be able to get there, but you have a lot of work to do before you get there. And having a great game against Alabama will be a big part of that. But Jatavion Sanders versus Malachi Moore is the big one for me. And it's because I like those, you know, kind of move tight ends that he really is. And Malachi Moore is somebody who I've always wanted to see more of in that Alabama defense. I think that he's been a little bit underwhelming. I think that he's had trouble seeing the field because first of all, they're just always incredibly talented on the back end, but because he has struggled a little bit when he got on the field and somebody who was very highly touted coming out of high school, very highly touted, you know, possibly coming into this season as well, but somebody that I need to see more from, and this is going to be a very big test for him in this game. Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh, Emory Jones versus Dan Hayes. DeAndre Jules and Bengali Kamara. I got that one right. Yeah, I got that yeah nice. Right. There you go. Didn't need five minutes of practice before the pod. We got it. Xavier Henderson, who has an X and a Z in his yeah. name. That's fantastic. I it love is. that they did that because having a Z or an X, a little bit basic for Xavier. Yeah. Having both of them, fantastic name. Um, and Aaron Turner versus MJ, Devonshire, and AJ Woods. And then Daniel not gonna even even try it it's uh gerziak or something (laughs) like that uh versus matt con 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 caps gone caps it's gone caps that's a g not i think it's gone caps gonsalves i think it's gonsalves that's the the c C makes a z well the c is the it's like cereal but it's in the middle of the name right no okay it's it's weird it's weird i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that's what it is yeah, but that's that's a fun game. That's I'm gonna let Dalton uh, stew with that development over here. But uh, I butchered that. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I think um, in this one particular, and uh, in, in this one in, in Wisconsin and Washington State, these are a couple games that aren't quite on the forefront this week, but games that I think are kind of underrated with how much NFL draft talent they have. Uh, Aaron Turner is a transfer from I believe UConn, uh, UConn or Utah State, one of those. I think UConn. But he's a really twitchy, uh, twitchy, athletic, hyperactive, short area guy who's a little bit smaller, but one of those quick wide receivers out of the slot. Uh, MJ Devonshire, AJ Woods, both very explosive defensive backs. And we know Pitt defensive backs, they are trained to win on an island. They know how to do it. So, you know, I'm going to be very excited to see that. Cincinnati, Emory Jones had a phenomenal debut. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm talent. Uh, so can he stack that? That's kind of what I want to see against that Pittsburgh defense, that fast-flowing physical Pittsburgh defense. Uh, it'll be a lot to see. Wisconsin and Washington State. You got Jack Nelson and Brennan Jackson. You got Chimari DK uh, and Skylar Bell versus Charles Smith Wade and Cam Lampkin at corner. And then Jaden Hicks. We mentioned him in our safeties group earlier. Uh, I think he had a pick and two pass deflections, a pick six uh, last week. So he's a really phenomenal player, 6'3, 200. And he's going to be going up against Braden, Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy at running back. So last week we, we saw Jaden Hicks make plays in coverage. This week, I think he's going to be relied on more. Uh, to provide that run support element. So that'll be fun to see. But I, I kind of I hit the fast forward button because I, I really want to get into these next two miscellaneous matchups that we have, yes, Dalton. Because, let's do it. Uh, let's do that and let's get out of here. Let's do that and let's get out of here. You got the SEC in preseason scouting. I have the ACC. And I think two of our favorite prospects are going up against each other. Vanderbilt wide receiver Will Shepard, who is off to a pretty fast start this season. I, I think he's had a couple productive first two weeks uh, going up against Kalen Carson. Uh, Wake Forest cornerback. Talk to me about uh, what you're excited for in this one. Oh, Shepard's just, he's got so much length, man. It's so much fun to watch because of that length. And and I think the one thing that I obviously want to see about, see from him a little bit more uh, is his consistency when he is, 
you know, breaking down at the top of routes and, and coming back to the football. I want to see him be a little bit more efficient there. Uh, but the route running chops just overall are there for him. And that's kind of what you want to see from a bigger guy. He plays with good physicality. And honestly, at the end of the day, if you want to, you can just throw back shoulder fades to him all day because he is that guy who is able to run down the sideline. He has the sideline awareness. And if you trust him as a quarterback, when you get him, you know, if you get him with somebody like a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen, somebody who is willing to put the ball into tight windows and willing, you know, Justin Herbert willing to leverage it away uh, from defenders, you know, like Mike Williams. I think that that's the type of NFL career he has or where he thrives in his NFL career. But he's a big possession receiver who get him over the middle, get him on dig routes, let him make plays there. He's not going to do a ton after the catch. Um, but that's just not really his body style. It's not really his game. He's somebody who can catch, you know, eight to, to 10 passes for you a game um, in that intermediate area of the field and be a legitimate red zone threat. Nice. And I'm really excited to see him go up against Carson because you mentioned it breaking down at the top of his routes, maybe somewhere where he can be a little more efficient. Carson is one of those guys who can really suffocate you on those routes breaking back to the ball. I mean, his reaction quickness is incredible. His closing speed and then the physicality, too. He's around six foot, 195, 200. Great proportional length. And he's very... Uh, very exhaustive at playing the ball through the catch point, right? Not just making contact, but aiming for the ball, kind of disrupting the receiver's cage too. And then on top of that too, really good foot speed, really good short area twitch and athleticism. And he's got good technique too. He can kick slide to match guys upfield. Uh, just overall, Kalen Carson to me, really complete corner with great length and physicality and that kind of that chippy mentality. He was actually my CB4, 23rd overall prospect on this big board behind Kalen King, Cooper DeJean, and Kool-Aid. So he's up in that round one range for me. Very big fan of Kalen Carson. And you know, I think this will be a fun test because Will Shepard, you mentioned it. He's got the size. He's a pretty smooth athlete, smooth route technician as well. Uh, so I think Kalen Carson, the the task will be, can you match that? And then can you prevent him from getting those catches on those back shoulder fades in the end zone, the red zone? He's proven that he can produce there as well. So uh, that'll be a fun one. And then our next one, our final one uh, from the miscellaneous matchups, Michael Pratt, Tulane quarterback, kind of a sleeper in this quarterback class. And he's going up against a very talented Ole Miss defense with talent at every level. Uh, what it's do you want? It's so funny you yeah. say that because it, it, it doesn't make sense because we, when we think about Ole Miss, we don't think. Uh, about defense we've never yeah. really have um and they obviously have michael trigg on the offensive side of the ball who kind of is their top prospect but you're looking at guys like deandre price at cornerback yeah. ashim young at safety sean gaddy at corner uh cedric johnson on the defensive line and, and also tywone uh malone as well tywone malone which is a fantastic yeah. name and they got teja uh, young as a transfer from florida atlantic who's very good and i think they have kari coleman still at linebacker who's a really yes. uh, explosive hard charging defender so there's a lot to a lot to deal with at the second and third yeah. levels in particular yeah um it, it's gonna be a lot of fun because this is a guy in michael pratt that i haven't really gotten to get too many eyes on uh just see saw him a little bit last week so really excited to you know, because he's playing an sec team uh to actually you know dig into some of his tape as well it, it'll be a lot of fun to watch him this weekend but we got to get out of here we are almost over time we spent a ton of time talking about the big board but that's what we do here we talk about the prospects that's what we are here to do we're going to give that to you every week twice a week unless there is a holiday and we are not allowed to record we tried to record they didn't let us record there was nobody that was going to be able to edit it so we weren't able to do it on monday but we are back to two times a week we are getting the tape grinding in we are getting scouting reports out we are updating the big boards we are updating the mock draft simulator we are 
working. Yeah, make sure you use that mock draft simulator. We're going to be making updates. And as the season progresses and more teams in the NFL give up and more fans lose hope, you're going to go to the future again with the MDS. So, no, for real, we're putting in work. Uh, a lot of scouting going on over here. And, you know, every offseason is a chance to turn the page. And we've got all the info you need right here. As always, guys, I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.